Welcome to the Building Confidence podcast brought to you by KPMG, where we explore how reform can create deserved confidence in governance, corporate reporting and audit. I'm Michelle Hinchliffe and I'm your host for today. And in this episode, I'll be talking to Dylan Whitfield, Head of Forensic Accounting within Global Research at HSBC. And we'll be covering the investors' views on the Bayes Consultation on Restoring Trust in Audit and Corporate Governance. Now, as many of you will know, Bayes has published a consultation which aims to enhance the quality of corporate governance, corporate reporting and audit. And it also includes proposals to improve stewardship by giving investors more opportunities to engage with companies, particularly on the audit and assurance matters. So, Dylan, thank you very much for joining us today. A pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Now, look, before we dive in and talk about some of the individual recommendations, it would be great to get your initial thoughts on the Bayes consultation. Uh, is, is this the right package of recommendations? Is there anything missing or surprising? I think, I mean, it's worth saying it's been a long time coming. Uh, the consultation is a hefty document covering a pretty range, a broad range of topics. And it's clearly taken them a lot of effort uh, and it's a long while to put together. But I think it's worth, before we start thinking about, well, Actually, it's been three years since the Kingman Review uh, was kicked off, uh, which in itself was prompted by a number of corporate scandals before before that. So it's been it's been a long wait, uh, and where we are with it, it still requires parliamentary time, and so it won't be implemented straight away, even if you wanted it to be. Now, overall, I think some of the proposals represent you know really good progress, but of course, as they say, the devil is in the detail. I think others do need to go further. Uh, and some indeed require interaction with accounting standards, for example, or auditing standards. And some have even been proposed that there's uh, additional development required by the new regulator, Arga. But I think for me, it's really also important to realise that some of the proposals need to be um, need to have the interaction and contribution from other stakeholders, including investors. But overall, I think it's, it's a good step forward. Great. So you, so you raise a really good point in terms of the time frame. As you said, it's been a long time coming um, and and some of the proposals will need to go through Parliament. So we could be looking at another four, five years and then there will be implementation periods. So there is quite a while for these to be fully operational. But clearly, uh, once we know the direction of travel, probably no time for complacency because there will be a, a lot for companies to do to get up to speed. Indeed, and I think that having that having that run runway will be important. Right, and, and you mentioned um, there was there's been some good progress with some of the recommendations. Um, any you would call out as you think are real are real positives in this uh, in this consultation? So for me, I think from a reporting perspective, what's important is having a clear and meaningful reporting. So the uh, proposals list a number of new bits of disclosure which are, are indeed helpful in a lot of ways but for me it's about getting away from the generic boilerplate disclosure to something that's actually meaningful and useful uh, from an investor perspective and that it's reliable so that brings us on to the assurance perspective and I think some of the, some of that is is helpful and I think some areas perhaps where we, I'd like to have seen more assurance or mandated assurance have haven't, haven't hasn't happened uh, or aren't in the proposals at least and uh, uh, from a from a regulator perspective, it's great to see uh, the the regulator having some teeth, uh, which is good. Uh, I think um, whilst you know for the majority of cases, um, you know companies are trying to do the right thing, but you you don't want the the, the, the teeth for those companies. You want it for the the, the outliers that, that aren't necessarily being being straightforward. 
Great. So maybe if we pick up on a couple of your points there around some of the proposals and particularly the assurance. Now, probably the one of the, the proposals that's had the most airtime is around strengthening uh, internal controls, which is often referred to as the UK version of SOX. Uh, and there's been a lot of debate around this, including whether or not there should be mandatory assurance. So it would be great to get your views on this. And particularly, is it something that investors welcome? I mean, Ultimately, investors need their companies uh, to need to know that their companies are being well run, managed and controlled in ultimately to, to safeguard uh, and grow their investment. Uh, the proposals uh, set out three options, uh, as you know, which are not mutually exclusive. The first, very putting, putting very simply, the directors review the controls and report. The second, the auditor describes what they've done on controls and how that has influenced the auditor. The third one is, is is the last one, of course, is giving a, a view on the effectiveness of those controls. And they're more detailed than that, but that, I think that's enough to, to, to frame our discussion. The government prefers uh, options one and two only, uh, but we certainly would prefer there to be an option, the, the, the assurance option as well, and I think that would be valuable. Uh, but, but I mean, there's a lot been written about and talked about the, uh, the fact these are onerous, uh, uh, onerous requirements. Um, but I think it is very important to remember that a strong internal control environment should already be in place at well-run companies, certainly of the size that I and my investor clients look at. Uh, secondly, auditors should already be reviewing and relying on these controls, uh, at least some of them, as part of their audit. Uh, and the third point, which is my own personal experience, I mean, I was, I was actually in an, an, an auditor of US listed companies when SOX was introduced. So I went through that process uh, and it was hugely time consuming and costly. Uh, however, I think it is very important to remember that the UK and US regimes are very different and have a very different ethos. Uh, and, the, and also the approach to internal control has moved on greatly in the 19 odd years since SOX was introduced. So we, we, we're comparing what, I think we're not comparing apples and apples there really. Um, so I think ultimately while some might think it's onerous, I think there is a case that the comfort uh, provided by an assurance opinion may justify the cost. Um, but equally, I think the first two options do provide an opportunity for companies and auditors to provide that meaningful additional disclosure to stakeholders about the financial governance of the company. But it has to be meaningful and not generic and that 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 i think we'll come back to that from uh, for quite a lot i think in this discussion that's that's great there there has been some some debate around if uh, the requirement to have assurance is not mandatory so it's it, it's not included in in legislation um that it's perhaps something that companies would and particularly the larger companies, as you said, the ones you're interested in, would choose to do either because uh, all their peers are doing it, and therefore they don't want to be the only company, or through, um, I guess, engagement with investors, where investors are very clear that it is their expectation that there would be assurance um, over, over this. So maybe not making it mandatory, but using market forces. Do you think there is some possibility that that would lead to an outcome where assurance is provided across the larger companies i, I think i think i'd look at it from the perspective of for, for, for the majority of companies who are which are well run they have nothing to fear um which is what i well, essentially what i just alluded to i think where where you're trying to get to here is and part of the reason behind this this the, 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 these proposals and to me the reviews that preceded them is 
to think about companies where which are perhaps not all, not all is well. I'm not to saying things things catastrophic, but not all is well. And providing a choice to companies, even if it's via payer pressure, um, may, may mean that companies that probably ought to have that assurance don't, uh, and companies can be selective. So I, I think that there's a balance to be struck um, over assurance and what what assurance is provided and, and sought by companies. Uh, to, to, to from the some some bits I think should be mandated and some bits should be should be a choice. I think I think there is a nice balance to be to be struck because not all not all assurance will will will, will be necessary for all companies. However, mm-hmm. for when it comes to internal control, I think on balance, it, um, um, it being part of a mandatory regime probably is more helpful. Certainly for for larger companies. Great. So, so one of the things that you, you you you've referred to a few times, Dylan, is is uh, the I guess the role or the power of the shareholder to drive uh, uh, to drive change. And there's a couple of measures in the proposals which would be great to get your views on. Now, the first one is the publication of an audit and assurance policy. Um, and maybe if we pick up on that, that first, so that's that's looking at a three year rolling forward look on the company's approach to audit and assurance of its financial and non-financial reporting and also that it's subject to an advisory shareholder vote now i've heard many views from investors on this um in terms of is it a good or a, or a not so good um, uh, proposal so keen to get your thoughts okay so when it comes to the audit assurance policy i think providing a policy overtly is helpful because it gives one a one a, a very good st- clear indication of what is and what it is and it is not uh, uh, assured within within a set of financial information um particularly actually if there is going to be a choice of what information might be and there might be variation however where i um where i differ um, uh, from the proposals, and I suspect I differ from fifty percent of the people you've spoken to, and I agree with I agree with fifty the other fifty percent, which I think that in order to get true engagement, it needs to be binding, uh, a binding vote, because after all, you know, the assurance is there for the shareholders, therefore they should ultimately decide what they want and what they receive. Uh, I think uh, we, I think we can move on perhaps later on to to to, to what areas should should have assurance and what shelters should have to say about that. But in terms of a policy, I think it's important that that is binding. Uh, and I think it is important that, that it is dynamic. Uh, you mentioned uh, the, the proposal mentioned every three years. I mean, I think it's, it should it is more valuable if it's dynamic and therefore shareholders take a look at it every year is what I get to. Um, simply because you know things change. I mean, we've just been through a, a, a year in the last eighteen months. We've been through a, a period of significant change. If they, if you know, we'd we'd, ne- we'd need we'd need a crystal ball to to to, ha- to have every eventuality for the next three years locked down. So I don't think that, I don't think that, that that's a sensible position. Um, and I think um, ultimately that that's the start of you know good engagement between the auditors and the the, the shareholders because. At the moment, I think that th- th- there is definite scope for improvement in th- in that engagement, and I, I think there's there, there, there's 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 scope both sides for for that for improvement to to, to get there. But I think this is a, this is a, this is a good starting point. Um, and I, th- I said we when we talk about, about which areas should be mandatory. I mean, I think a choice is the right. What what areas is a choice? And I think that's the right answer within the realms of the policy that the shells should should have a binding vote on. However. The, the it is it is worth mentioning that 
a choice will actually have a downside as well. Although I think it's positive, I think there's a downside, which is an individual approach will potentially lead to a bit of confusion, a lack of ability to read across. Uh, and in, in the worst case scenario, which of course we, 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 know we, we want to avoid, is, is a deliberate selection of areas that a company want, doesn't want, perhaps want to get assurance over. Um, but I think that's, that's all the more reason to have a policy which is binding, uh, because that, that, that acts as a check and balance to that. And I think the, there are a list of suggested areas of assurance within the proposals. I think there are some that should be mandatory. Uh, for example, ESG uh, disclosures, I think that that's going to become more and more important for, for shells as the years progress. And I think other areas for me that I think are, are vital are things like the alternative performance measures, uh, preliminary announcements, uh, are, are, I think, as well. Although, although some of those, in fact, a lot of those now are based on audited information, then the cells are not always audited. Uh, and also... Quite contra probably controversially, um, key investor presentations because markets and investors and analysts rely on those, and they are w usually well in advance of annual reports. So, actually, having insurance over them is is at the point at which m market movements happen, not that not six weeks later when when you know when the when the annual report lands on the doormat. It's great. So so very very clear. Thank you, Dylan. Uh, um, a, a uh, an assure audit and assurance policy um, that's voted on every year, binding vote with a choice of areas, and you've given some very clear guidance on the uh, the, the level of assurance. Um, the a, a number of the larger institutional investors who invest in hundreds, thousands of companies would say and, and have said, we just you know we just don't have the capacity to to engage on on this. Uh, what would be your response to that? I think it's all about prioritization and as I said I'm a forensic accountant okay so I've worked with 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 the sort of the, the real outliers over the years not 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 the good guys and a lot of a lot of the time and I think um it's you you want them that you want that man, mandatory mandatory regime for the outliers not for not for not for the ones that are are are, 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 are the, the good guys essentially because you want to be able to, as a shareholder, if you, if there's a com if there's one company in your portfolio that has that you think there is an issue, or you want you want to raise something, you want the, you want that mechanism. So yes, I completely accept. There's the in terms of capacity. If you if you've got a portfolio of, you know, a thousand a thousand stocks, say for example, globally, you know, you, you're not going to you're not going to engage on each one of those a thousand, but you're going to know that the, the the five or six or the ten that you think actually those are the ones I really need to I, I really need to make sure I know what that I'm what I'm getting out out, out of the company. And on what level of assurance? Okay, and then then I can hear hear some um, companies also say, saying um, uh, that uh, this is going to cost too much and it's going to take too much time uh, and potentially slow down the uh, the speed at which companies uh, announce their results. What would be your your response to that? Well, I think so. First of all. Uh, uh, the majority of information in 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 an report, um, if you think about it in two halves, the but the front half being reliant on the, on the on the back half, most of that is audited anyway. Um, however, I think additional steps, yes, certainly will take time. But the important thing here is it providing good quality, reliable information, and I think that's worth that's worth the extra effort. And I think there's a there's a there's a you know you might say okay if it takes an extra week. 
does it does it make a difference as long as as long as that as long as the shareholders and, and the market is aware of what the timetable is and that a company hits it i'm not sure there's a there's a, there's a big problem Thanks, Dylan. So the second area that the government are proposing is around a formal mechanism to be established to enable audit committees to gather shareholder views on the audit plan. Uh, the government's encouraging, for example, better attendance at the AGMs by auditors and that the auditor should be able to answer questions from shareholders. So what's your views on these proposals? So... You've touched on on a point which I'm particularly keen on. I'm, I'm particularly keen on the on, on the ability of shareholders to engage with auditors. Uh, I think it helps from a perspective of highlighting issues and concerns, uh, and, and getting and, and getting information as an investor or a shareholder or, or a stakeholder. But also, it reinforces that link between the auditor and the and those they are ultimately serving, the shareholders. But I can take the points in turn. Um, first of all, the engagement of the audit plan. I think. That's a point where shareholders could get the opportunity, therefore, to highlight a concern or an area where actually we think, you know, let's say um, recoverability of receivables. We think that that is that is something that we're worried about in this company, and it allows the auditor to take that information and actually essentially do a better audit because they're taking that that extra intelligence that actually this feels a bit a bit racy or a bit 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 risky. I think it's a it's it's a it's a sensible uh, it's a sensible place to start, and I also think. The auditors have to have to provide audit committees with their planning documentation. It's not that that much extra to, to have a, a slim down version, as it were, to, to, to circulate. I don't think that that, that that provides significant extra work. Um, but you know, unlike the the, the the assurance policy, I think the, it should this this should be advisory only, because ultimately the auditor is responsible for their own work and their own approach to achieve the objective or purpose of their audit. And it's up to, and it is really up to them as professionals to to, to do that. Uh, uh, but I think um, auditors should have should be should actually be able and should be able and should be should be required to respond to those suggestions, as as indeed the government is suggesting. So I think that starts that dialogue again, which which refocuses the relationship between the auditor and and the shareholder. And do I think that there's you know there's there's going to be hundreds of hundreds of shareholders giving lots of lots of suggestions to auditors? No, I don't. But again, to your point about capacity, those that, ha that there's that, that for four or five, five or six companies in a portfolio, perhaps there will be concerns that, that shareholders won't want to raise. Um, and I think the second point about AGM attendance, I, th this was unfortunately an area of disappointment for me within the proposals, because I think it is a missed opportunity uh, to mandate the, uh, you know, the attendance and an agenda point to answer questions, uh, which again, because it, it, first of all, because it strengthens that linkage again, which is which is important, and I think that that is part of this package of measures is, is increasing that relationship to improve all the overall governance of our companies. But I think the key reason for it, though, which I think it should be mandatory, uh, is is that it, it allows and gives that permission for shareholders and auditors to have that conversation and to raise issues. Um, but with if an auditor isn't present, perhaps the shareholder isn't, isn't able to do so. Uh, and I think even even if the auditor is there, not having their gender item removes that sort of privilege to speak almost. And I think that's that 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 is a missed opportunity, and it's one that that, that I, I I've raised previously actually before before this this proposal came out. Look, thank thank you. I think um, the you, your comments around engagement between the auditor and the uh, the the owners of the company, the shareholders. 
um, effectively is that is the group who our audit reports are addressed to, um, I think is is definitely a real positive. We certainly um, uh, you know, support support that and have long uh, uh, aimed to in, to improve that uh, amount of engagement that as a firm we have with investors. Um, sometimes it's not always easy, and so uh, but we we absolutely are I think are aligned in our thinking about that that the the value that can come from that level of engagement. So 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 that's very that's very helpful. Thank you. Um, can I? We've covered a few of just a handful of the proposals. We could talk for for for, for ages about others, but, but there is one specific, or there's a couple of areas where in the proposals there's been some uh, exemptions suggested for newly listed companies. So, for example, in around publishing the new resilience statement. Um, uh, so, uh, keen to get your views as is is this a, a good thing? Because there's clearly a need to balance high standards of reporting and governance with um, not not deterring private companies from seeking a listing. So, um, what what's your thoughts on on that uh, proposal for exemptions? So, I, I've probably got quite a strong view on that one, which is no, I don't think it's right for there to be that sort of exemption. I'm afraid. Uh, I mean, it, look, it's important to, that that we realise that that companies do not list overnight. It takes months of preparation, consultation, documentation, and a huge degree of process. So, in short, I think there should be time to put in place what is needed uh, when one is one is entering a public market. But let's let's take a step back at a very basic level. On admission, companies are asking for investors' money, then and there, not in some future period following the listing. So, why should an investor not expect a company to be prepared for that level of financial control, governance, and, and reporting that is required for a listed entity at the point of investment? because ultimately they need them to look after the investment. You know, being a public company has responsibilities and it is only right that the companies are ready for those responsibilities as they become public. And, you know, they should have a view about their viability. They should have a view about their ability to continue as a going concern. And they should have a view about their resilience and, and their planning. You know, after all, if there are potential challenges to any of those, those challenges won't wait for for a grace period, so they they they, they need to be there there and then. That that's what I think. I I know I can see the the counter argument about uh, you know a barrier to investment, but I think through you know as somebody that's gone through uh, uh, and helped clients through a, a listing uh, listing process over the years, you know it it's not it, it's not a small undertaking, and it and there is there is there should be time in the process to get these things right, and if there's not, then one would question you know is the company ready to list. Right, and maybe just specifically on the the, the um, resilience statement um, and the proposals are, are around that. Do, do you think it's a, a a good thing? Is it something that that you would support? Uh, it is a, a the proposals are a positive step, certainly. Um, I think um, it looks to me when I read the the, the 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 consultation that it is it is a it is a it is what the government want to do. They're just merely consulting on the form of it, which is which is which is good, uh, from my perspective. I think. I'm, I'm at the risk of repeating myself. I think we need to make sure that the, that it is it is meaningful and it's not seen as a checkbox exercise. So having the government set out some some um, specific ideas about what might be included in that consideration, and I think they're very helpful. But I wouldn't want to see companies just referencing those as as, as precisely. I think some proper thought has to go into it, and some proper thought as to uh, as to what other risks might be might be uh, pertinent. 
and what, what the companies have done with them, I think, as well. And I think, um, but on, on the ones that are, have been listed, I think a reporter explained why you have, if you haven't, if you don't think the risk would be also be important. But certainly anything that gives uh, directors pause to, to thought as, as to, you know, is do they have the wherewithal and, and, the, and the resilience within the, within the business to continue is, is bound to be helpful and will, will hopefully... Um, mitigate you know or at least reduce any corporate failures in, in in the future and certainly as an user of that information it's helpful to understand what those steps are and therefore one can take a view on what actually the risks are and when one's comparing uh, peers or indeed uh, in a, a portfolio of stocks great i think we've uh, we could talk for ages again on a resilient statement we did a separate podcast uh, on, on on that which uh, i'm sure our listeners can uh, spend some time uh, listening to and uh, understanding in a little bit more detail what's involved there so thanks for that dylan we spent a lot of time talking around uh, companies and touched also on some of the proposals impacting auditors but maybe if we move tack and look at the regulator and there's a lot of proposals around strengthening the regulator giving them a number um, of of new powers and new responsibilities such as requesting companies to make changes directing them to make changes to their annual reports uh, from an investor perspective do you think these quite uh, this broadening quite extensively of their powers uh, is a move in the right direction so I think having a regulator with teeth is ultimately in the interest of shareholders and having reliable and clear information from a company is crucial, of course. And anything that adds to an analyst or investor's understanding is also helpful. So using your example, understanding which areas of reporting are perhaps more risky or judgmental or even where a company might have not quite got, not got it quite right is useful. So understanding and seeing that that, that correspondence might be helpful. Um, I mean, even even just thinking about it from a from a stewardship perspective, if investors are going to play their part and sign off or vote on assurance policy, having that information is also additionally helpful. In relation to enforcement, uh, first of all, I, I think uh, leveling up of the jurisdiction of regulator of the regulator to uh, cover all directors, not just us accountants and actuaries, is helpful. Uh, and having the power to investigate is a useful check and balance as long as the regulator has the resources to do so uh, and making enforce enforcement substantially more straightforward may you know, focus uh, and indeed embolden non-execs uh, to have to more rigorously challenge management because they they know you know under this new regime and could be taken to you know to further task you know ultimately that i think will help uh, safeguard companies and therefore investors capital Great. So, so generally supportive of, of, of uh, and I agree with you, a stronger regulator uh, is, is a good regulator. I think there's been a lot of debate just around the, the number of resources that will be needed to, to carry out these responsibilities, increased responsibilities. And I think that will be challenging. Indeed. And if I can just add into that, I think this is not just a regulator having a stick in the proposals that the regulator might be able to help. Uh, in terms of uh, pre-approving of disclosure, so that it, it it's not just it's not just a stick approach. There's there's a there's a helpful element to it too, which is again it can't be a bad thing for investors. A point very well made. Thank you, um, Dylan. I'm going to take you forward. I'll say five or perhaps more like ten years, given where we started. The time it may take for, to implement a number of these recommendations. Let's say ten years or maybe fifteen. If you're looking back, which of the proposals do you think in the base consultation? will have been the biggest driver of changes that's helped build confidence in, in UK corporate reporting? 
Um, that is a tough question. Um, I think, I think it, it's it's a system, isn't it? It's not just one thing. So I think the proposals have to work together to really drive change. Um, but if I had to pick, and I am going to cheat a little bit and reference <laughs> reference more than one, I think um, it, I'd, I'd go with the following. Um, first of all, uh, if as a result of the proposals um, we get clearer, more meaningful, more reliable information. That's that. That is a huge step forward because that is the basis for for, for essentially good governance and good decision making, and therefore good confidence in in, in our in, in our in our in our corporate world. Um, I've mentioned it many times, but a, a tilt of that focus um, of auditors towards the shareholders is 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 my is my number two. Um, I think that that will help, and I think that will also help bring confidence in auditors as well and audit firms which I think perhaps has taken a bit of a beating lately. Um, and finally, I think that, 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 that having the um, regulator that has that power to step in and help uh, is it would hopefully, um, you know, really, really be a positive step. But one has to see these things in the round. You know, there are, there are things in, there are things that we could, we could do better, absolutely. And I think, I'm going to I'm going to really cheat and add one one last thing, which I think this thing this is not a static thing, right? It needs to evolve, and I think this is this is probably the first step in a in a journey. But to the point about timetable, I think we need to get we need to get started on that journey sooner the sooner the better. Brilliant. Look, Dylan, thank you so much. That's probably all we've got time for in today's podcast. We've covered a lot of ground, and I think you've summed up perfectly um, in your final question the, the key areas. But I guess for me, investor engagement is so critical, um, and uh, there's only a short window left now to respond to the consultation, which closes on the 8th of July. And I certainly would encourage all investors who are listening to respond to, to that consultation with their views and opinions um, and to share them just as you have done today, Dylan. So thank you for that. Um, we will include a link in the podcast description where you can find more information on, on how to respond. Um, we've got many more great guests coming up in future uh, episodes who, like Dylan, are passionate about the quality of corporate reporting and good governance. So please do subscribe to our podcast where you can get alerted with any new episodes. Uh, thank you and goodbye for now. <laughs>